Hello, everyone, and welcome to Diversity Matters, where we explore all things diversity, equity, and inclusion related. I'm your host, Oscar Holmes IV, and I'm so excited to welcome our guest, who is one of the hardest working people in New Jersey, Mr. John Harmon, to the guest chair today, as we talk about minority business advocacy and development. John has served as the founder, president, and CEO of the African-American Chamber of Commerce of New Jersey since 2007. He is the former president and CEO of the Metropolitan Trenton African-American Chamber of Commerce. And prior to his 20-year career as a chamber executive, John was previously employed at the Bowery Savings Bank in New York City, and in 1989, founded his own transportation company called Harmon Transfer Corporation. Mr. John Harmon, welcome to Diversity Matters. Thank you for extending the invitation, Dr. Holmes. We'll be back after a quick word from our sponsors. The African-American Chamber of Commerce of New Jersey is dedicated to economically empowering and sustaining African-American communities and businesses through entrepreneurship and capitalistic initiatives throughout the state of New Jersey, while providing a collective voice for New Jersey's African-American business leaders, the AACCNJ, advocates and promotes economic diversity while fostering a climate of growth through major initiatives on the educational and public policy levels. So I met John my first year moving to New Jersey in 2013 through our mutual friend, George Soa. I can truly say that in the seven years of knowing each other that I have been personally blessed by not only our partnerships throughout the years, but also our friendship. So one partnership that I must publicly thank John for is his support for the past three years and having the African-American Chamber of Commerce of New Jersey to be one of the sponsors for the Rutgers University Student Executive Cruise Competition Monetary Awards. So I've learned so much from John over the years, so I knew I wanted him on this inaugural season of Diversity Matters to talk about minority business development and advocacy. So welcome, John, and let's get started. Let's go, my friend. <laughs> so chambers of commerce are prevalent in many cities and states. So please tell our listeners why it was necessary to start the African-American Chamber of Commerce of New Jersey and why it is so important for this chamber and other identity group specific chambers to not only exist, but also thrive. Great foundational question for our discussion. In New Jersey, there's a, about 140 chambers of commerce and um, the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, which is based in Washington, D.C., the largest business federation in the country has about 7,000 members, 7,000 chamber members across the country, in addition to a multitude of major corporations. When I realized that there has to be some significance there, the chambers typically are driving resources, information, and economic opportunity all the time. And I found that the Black community, or Black businesses in particular, we're not really connected to what I deem as the access for resources, opportunities, and information. In other words, if you're not connected to where, where the deals are flowing, your ability to sustain yourself, your family, your community is minimized. And that was the impetus for starting this statewide organization. And prior to this, I was president of a regional chamber, which gave me some insight as to how we could uh, reposition and improve the economic standing of our 1.1 million Blacks and over 80,000 businesses in New Jersey, given our host of systemic challenges, poverty, 
education attainment, uh, workforce readiness, and building and business capacity. That's kind of what led to us getting this organization up and going and being in existence today. So I am glad that it's in existence today, but I imagine you had some challenges starting this chamber. So can you share with us some defining challenges you've had and how you overcame them with the founding of the African-American Chamber of Commerce, New Jersey? Well, I tell you, there's a multitude of challenges. Just one in terms of we're it's a non-traditional space to identify yourself as an ethnic chamber. Most chambers are rather generic, but they serve the predominant population, not only in New Jersey, but throughout the country. And uh, say you want to represent Black folks, but not in a vacuum, in partnership with greater society. And so got a lot of questions. Why do we need uh, a Black chamber in New Jersey, which is the most diverse state in America? And espouse, you know, the high poverty, the high unemployment, Uh, 93% of black businesses in New Jersey have one employee. These are systemic challenges to to scaling and building capacity. And I will share that we need to be in partnership with government at the highest level and the corporations at the highest level and those who, who we can connect with to have some mutual exchange. So just getting to that conversation, which was uncomfortable for many people, and then getting the buy-in from government and corporations and saying that, hey, we're going to own all these adverse conditions on the state's balance sheet. But in order to mitigate them, we need partnerships with you. And I think framing the conversation that way was a little more palatable for many because oftentimes you can be rather emotionally charged when you're talking about this subject. And oftentimes the business community is not one, not too receptive to emotionalism. They need to be here clear focus. They need to hear objectives, goal. So in other words, you have to speak in business terminology. One, we're going to acknowledge these systemic challenges. We're going to own them. However, we need to forge a partnership or mutual benefit that's based on a value proposition. So as I begin to articulate that message, in our vision, in a clear, concise way, we started to develop relationships, you know, and that's how it started. Those were some of the challenges. And then raising the money, have infrastructure to hire staff. Um, so it took a lot of volunteerism from a few people in order to get this plane off the runway and up into the air. Okay. So I know a lot of your attention has been diverted by the COVID-19 pandemic. So here's a two-part question. What is the AACCNJ doing to help business owners and organizational leaders deal with this unprecedented dilemma? And two, what is COVID-19 stopping you from doing or working on that you would have been working on had we not been presented with this pandemic? Well, I'll take the second question first because that's the easier one. (laughs) You know, we have had a number of events planned, you know, to be an advocate for the demographic of people who have innate talent, abilities, willingness, and desire to be a part of contributing to the overall competitiveness of the state and not being able to have those engagements through programs and events that we have 
lost opportunities for these men and women who have real capital at risk. They've put their blood, sweat, and tears in their business enterprises, all their treasure. And then, you know, you have this pandemic land on them. And so they anticipated these interactions to present their product or service with the hope of landing an opportunity to grow those enterprises. And so not to have those events, you know, it's going to be a death blow to many of these businesses. And and many of them are one contract or one opportunity away from going out of business. And it's, it's really hard. So that's one thing that we really missed because we had laid out our calendar, had started to engage our partners and players and attendees and, and have this set on us. It's really going to be a major setback for many Black businesses, not only in New Jersey and across America. So what we've been focusing on daily, the staff, and I have to salute them, they're working extremely hard to try to keep people engaged, disseminating information where resources are, information, opportunities, anything that might continue to sustain their sense of optimism until hopefully we return to normalcy. So that is a daily challenge. We've been holding webinars, conference calls to continue to uh, share information, keep people engaged. We've also been fortunate to be granted some resources from the state of New Jersey through the Economic Development Authority to uh, provide technical assistance to the businesses across the state. And I have to salute Governor Murphy and Tim Sullivan for making that happen. Great. What are some additional things that AACCNJ is doing? Well, I mean, this is ongoing. It's, it's funny, you start off doing one thing and then you pivot to another. We're also trying to, as best we can, to still position folks for opportunity. And so we're looking high and low, not only in New Jersey, but throughout the country to connect our businesses to opportunity. Because, you know, given this pandemic, the big players are still eating their portions and other portions, if you will, at the buffet. Folks are struggling to get the crumbs and the crumbs are have been diminished to just bits now or just a remnant of something that might look like a crumb. And it's really unfortunate that the hustle has got, has intensified, if you will. And um, I'm really concerned about who's going to be standing when all is said and done. Right. So notwithstanding the current pandemic challenges, in what areas do there seem to be a boom in minority entrepreneurs? Well, I mean, boom is kind of a relative term. I want to come back to that. I'm going to go back to your earlier question. The other things we're we're working on policy, you know, we're sharing with our legislators and there's communication going on and with um, the governor's office about policy, you know, coming into this, the U.S. Department of Labor suspended all affirmative action on hiring and contracting um, during this pandemic, and which I think is absolutely ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Affirmative action guidelines that our forefathers, Dr. King and the civil rights folks fought to get stood up in the civil rights action in the 60s, 64, 65, and so on and so forth, so that we would be a part of procurement 
with the federal government, that we always be in the pipeline for resources and opportunities. And then have that suspension take place, give way to cover for those who are not serious about diversity and inclusion in New Jersey and across America. And we've heard from the state of New Jersey saying that, hey, no, we're not going to recognize this edict from the federal government. We're going to still work to procure and try to be inclusive in our spend. But I'm not seeing that happen. You know, there's people that are placating you. Really troublesome to me is you don't know who's telling the truth. You might hear mm-hmm. head of government, the head of the corporation say, we're all in with this. And then the lieutenants are not executing it. Right. No, who's playing you? But I'm telling you, man, there's a real sense of people being played uh, during this pandemic. And even in a normal circumstance here in New Jersey, the level of commitment and seriousness is really hard to pinpoint. Right. Very frustrating at times. And I know business owners are very frustrated by this. So for me, as the president of the African-American Chamber of Commerce of New Jersey, I think we got to really command and demand a, a greater level of accountability on the other side of this and a greater level of forthrightness. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I pray that God gives me wisdom, courage, and discernment every day. And and sometimes you're discerning that you're being played, but, but you kind of, uh, for the benefit of trying to build these relationships, you might overlook some things. But, you know, our people are dying, man, mm-hmm. dying uh, physically, which is sad. New Jersey has a lot of people that are dead now as a result of this pandemic. You're going to have businesses that are going to be dead now. And still about power and money. And and folks are saying, you know, they really, really care and they're trying to help. But if you care, it'll be evident. And the numbers are showing that people are lying to us. Procurement. In New Jersey, you're hard-pressed to get the 5%. One or 2% are great numbers in New Jersey because that's probably where we really are. And that's sad, man. And even in this pandemic, we're probably less than that. And that's an abomination. Until we get some transparency, real forthrightness of presenting what the numbers are, people are lying to us right in our face. And I'm telling you, I'm getting tired of it. Right. So this is a major barrier that you have to face, other business leaders have to face. What are some other barriers that you think we have to face in some ways to remove some of those other barriers? So I got to get back to your question. Your question talked about where, where businesses, where growth is for businesses or whatever. Right. But the barriers are hindering that, right? Mm-hmm. So we have a number of very talented engineers in New Jersey. So in the professional service realm, as we stay with government or, or the public sector, there's a procurement process where you don't really have to go out to bid in the professional services. So that means your engineers, your architects, your environmentalists, your fund management firms, people who manage money, who do bond underwriting, who do accounting services, and even in New Jersey, there's a certain 
You can be a seasoned CPA and you have to have a certain designation to audit municipal records. So your school boards, your city governments, black and brown folks don't get those contracts because there's a, a needle that you have to thread that only a few people have been able to thread because they don't offer access to the test widely. Mm-hmm. So there's a few people that are granted this designation annually. Right. This is ridiculous. You talk about free enterprise and access to opportunity. This state, man, we got a lot of work to do here. So the barriers are inherent. You know, we have preferences for construction unions under the guise of a project labor agreement, agreements. So people are excluded. And although you're paying tax dollars, they're excluded from opportunity because these inherent barriers. Unions are funding Mm. our elected officials' campaigns or they're given preference, but Blacks are voting for them Mm -hmm. at an over-indexed rate. There's no capacity for that vote. The contracts are still being let to a few. This is wrong, man. And people are not addressing this, you know? And so these grandiose speeches or these outreach, it's not genuine. It's not sincere. It's not transparent. There's no accountability. There's no monitoring. So the people can see how they're being hoodwinked and bamboozled by people who say, we love you. We support you. We embrace you. It's a lie, man. And mm-hmm. I think this pandemic is exposing it. I've been pretty much a straight shooter, but I think I got to be a little more in my description of what's really going on. I think I can open up a little more and say a little more how I'm really feeling because the day you're getting it, fresh off the press because I've been reading stuff and I saw your questions. And I said, man, I got to live with myself when this is all said and done. Right. But there's a lot of people that don't really care, but they actually care. And their wealth is being accumulated. Their power is being accumulated. But our people are being played. And I'm tired of it. So this is not just white leaders in New Jersey that are playing us. Mm. They're black leaders as well. So many of our urban cities are controlled by people who are funding, paying their campaigns, and, and they're playing us as well. I mean, you can't tell me that out of a 100% budget that our leaders cannot find a way to make sure that a significant percentage of those opportunities go to their own people. And I'm not saying you got to relax the standards or do something that's that's underhanded, that's not right. There's black men and women that have the wherewithal to provide value, to provide quality services and products that's going to help people and to help these municipalities be more competitive. Our school boards, they're letting out millions of dollars every day, mm-hmm. and they don't care who gets it. But if you're black or brown, I'm, I'm speaking mainly about black folks today, it's almost they're ashamed to do business with their own people. I live in Trenton, and this school district is a mess mm-hmm. when it comes to getting procurement for black folks. Uh, a company two weeks ago trimming trees 
from around some of one of the school buildings. Mm -hmm. This company was from North Jersey and they weren't black. There's black people in Trenton that can cut down trees, can trim trees, can mow lawns and cut, do food service. You know, it's like they feel as though it's a crime to do business with their own people. Mm. It's terrible. Those are the barriers. <laughs> I love your passion and I'm so glad that you're showing that right now and a mutual passion that we have is fighting for and ensuring that, you know, underrepresented group members are afforded more equitable opportunities. So what is the role of company boards in ensuring equitable participation in supplier diversity? Or in other words, you know, why should board members and I'll add personally, you know, organizational leaders care about supplier diversity or top leadership diversity? So that's a question that a listener of Diversity Matter submitted. Well, one guy that I really, or was well, more than one, but I mentioned John Rogers and Melanie Hobson. I share listeners to Google them and see what they're doing around the country. They sit on boards and they're not spooks by the door. When they're on the board, they're in there fighting and championing the value proposition that diversity brings, that black men and women could bring to some of these boards to get them more accountable and getting them to understand that um, supply diversity and inclusion is not about that mosaic. It's about really leveraging the talent to get the best value. And, and some folks are still thinking that it's about emotion. But if you look at those two, they convene an annual meeting of corporate boards and diversity. And they bring these officers in and these CEOs in, and have a candid conversation about best practices and the ways in which they can diversify their boards and diversify their supply chain, diversify their hiring to get better outcomes. Blacks build America. And poor Frederick Douglass mm -hmm. and Robert Smalls negotiating with President Lincoln to diversify the army by enlisting black slaves, we probably would not have a United States. For mm -hmm. Louis Latimer providing the filament to the light bulb for Thomas Edison, yeah, you had a light bulb that would illuminate, but without the filament, it would not sustain itself. That's diversity and inclusion is all about. Mm -hmm. So uh, holding people accountable, Blacks have been too quiet. We've gotten a little complacent about really making our mark and demanding that we be respected and that our relevance be leveraged for the betterment of this country. And we're just being... We're not being treated equitably in America. So that gets to the heart of your question. We are a diverse nation. New Jersey, one of the most diverse states in America. And we are not leveraging diversity for our overall benefit and our competitiveness. It's the haves and the have-nots. We're not helping people and teaching people how to fish. Entitlement programs are just perpetuating poverty and a lack of self-worth and, and a sense of hopelessness. That's what I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. And so we, we as a people got to stand up and say we're better than that. Mm -hmm. And we're not doing that in unison. And some of us are still operating in the vacuum. I got mine. Let them figure it out. We're making it harder for our people as well. And, and until we understand we're all in this together, we're going to continue to lose. It's important for all of us to have role models. 
Can you share with us, in your opinion, some leaders who seem to be getting it right? You know, there's some true champions out there. Yeah. That I'm going to give a few names here. And I'm concerned I'm going to forget some names. And if so, credit it to my head, not my heart, because I don't want to forget anybody. Some leaders here that are leading, that are passionate, that are trying to make it happen. But I think it's their lieutenants that are under them that are really marginalizing their effectiveness because you got leaders setting the vision and then you got the lieutenants under them who are supposed to execute it. And they're doing a piss poor job at representing their leaders. So they're putting their leaders in a bad spot. Mm-hmm. And then across this administration and across some of the legislators, we got some good people that's trying to get it done, but they're people who are supposed to be executing it not fully embracing the vision of the leader and thus marginalizing the outcome and making it real bad for black people. So banking perspective, mm-hmm. we have people like Kevin Cummings, uh, Dominic Kammer of Investors Bank, who not only is their heart in the right place, but their people are executing. Former president of Wells Fargo, Brenda Ross Doolin here in New Jersey. Phenomenal job. I believe in the state. Mm-hmm. She's out. Uh, Michelle Lee at Wells Fargo, who's down in Charlotte, black woman doing an amazing job trying to get it done. Bank of America is a joke. And I'm record saying it's a joke. They do nothing here in New Jersey. They're not a member of the African-American chamber. So they have not been helpful. And I've reached out to them a number of times. Chris Mayer over at Ocean First Bank, on the face, started off as a great guy, had some great conversation. They're members of the chamber, but he has not delivered. And that's a reflection on the organization. Mm-hmm. You're only as good as your leader. His word has to be good. And I'm telling you, on the record, his word has not been good with me and, and it's adversely affecting our relationship. Uh, Rob Curley, TD Bank, excellent guy. Word is good, trying to get some things done. Andy Jager, the Credit Union of New Jersey, pretty solid. The Port Authority of New York and New Jersey, terrible. Word has not been good. Rick Cotton has said that they're on board with some things we want to do. We got all excited, but the lieutenants have not executed. Black people are not getting contracts with the Port Authority at the level that they should. It's an embarrassment. We mm. around a proposal for almost a year and a half. It makes no sense. New Jersey Transit, another one, not doing a great job in letting contracts to black folks. PSCNG, Ralph Izzo, Ralph LaRosa, Tom McNulty, Dave Daly, Rick Thigpen. They've been great. They are working. Their heart is in the right place. Um, JCPNL with um, Jim Fakel, great guy, trying to get it done. They have the potential to do some great things, and we're still working through that. But they're hard in the right place. Dave Robbins, South Jersey, Nick DeRocca, Will Smith, they're trying to get it done. We're working with them, very encouraged by them. Tom Brackett, my man, partner, fighting every day. He's the president of the New Jersey State Chamber. We're trying to get it done. Johnson & Johnson right. with um, Linda Candace, great partner, trying to move some stuff. But there's a lot of folks that are a joke. Steve Sweeney, working with him. Senator Rice, Jamel Holly, 
Joe Panaccio, <laughs> Brittany Stewart. <laughs> so, <laughs> so this is good. These but, folks uh, are trying to get some stuff done, but there's some jokers out there that I'm getting sick of. And we got to call them out because I'm tired of it. I definitely understand that. But it seems like New Jersey is a microcosm for what's happening in perhaps many other states. So what advice could you give these leaders who, like you said, their heart is in the right place. They have pitched the vision to do what's right, but they are not having subordinates under them carry out their vision and be effective. So how can leaders effectively navigate this conundrum that they're in? My hope is that we will share this podcast and for people to hear Mm -hmm. that people are dying out here. There are businesses that put their heart and soul out online every day. And we need these leaders to really have some hard conversations with people that they're delegating assignments to, to make sure that they're executing them and not assume that they are. And put the numbers out there. The numbers are there as an indicator to say where you are and afford you the opportunity to do better. That's what the numbers are for. The numbers are not, you know, and there's some people going to take shots at you and try to embarrass you. But the information is supposed to be used, excuse me, to find a way to do better. And oftentimes, leadership is not making that happen. One person I miss maybe two. Tim Sullivan is a great guy, doing a great job over the EDA, and we're working with him to do more. Lieutenant Governor Sheila Oliver, heart is in the right place, trying to get some things done, but she has a huge task there, and um, we're hoping to do more with her as well. Chuck Richmond of DCA, heart in the right place, trying to do more, but I just wanted to point those folks out. They're trying to do it, but they got people within these organizations that are in the way, gatekeepers. And Mm -hmm. instead of letting information flow and having a candid exchange, just acknowledge you don't have the answer. Acknowledge you don't know. I don't know everything, but I'm trying to learn every day. And sometimes you have people that are too embarrassed to face the truth and just acknowledge they don't know. They expect the kids to acknowledge they don't know. They expect kids to stand up and to admit when they've done wrong. Adults are not doing that. And hurting ourselves, we're hurting the economy, we're hurting the state, and we're hurting the country. Right. What advice do you have for minorities who want to start a business? And it doesn't have to be necessarily in this context of COVID-19, but just starting a business in general. And then for those who, you know, everyone doesn't want to be an entrepreneur, which is fine, but they just want to move up into the leadership ranks in their organizations. So what advice would you have for those people? Well, we'll take the leadership part first. There's a number of things that's going to enable you to be effective in a leadership role. One, you got to be a good listener. Mm-hmm. Two, you got to have a uh, understanding of the job that's above you and understand the job that's below you and definitely have a full understanding of your ability to execute the job at hand. But also continue to be a student, always trying to learn and you want to be around the best minds. And, and when you're hiring as a leader, you want to have the best minds in the room. If you're the smartest person in the room, that's a problem. And you must acknowledge that and acknowledge your shortcomings. Have the courage to ask questions that you don't know the answer to. And don't ever leave the room 
uncertain about something, get the answer to it. Because if you don't, it's going to come back and bite you down the road. But you got to follow your passion. If you want to do anything in life, you got to follow your passion and go for it. That's whether you're looking to be in an organization as an employee or starting a business. I think today is still a great day to be a business owner. One thing about being a business owner, a person whose name is on the front of the check has a, a good understanding whether they're going to be in business or not. Mm-hmm. As an employee, unfortunately, folks are going to stop by and tap you on the shoulder and tell you you're either doing great or, or the gig is up. Uh, but follow your passion as well. If you have an idea, the great thing about this internet now, you can always Google and find information and, and see how to do things. But there's tremendous opportunity. And lastly, if you really want to create wealth for yourself, it's very difficult becoming a wealthy person being an employee. Right. Certain industries that, yeah, you can be extremely wealthy, but being an entrepreneur or business owner is probably the best track for creating wealth and overall sustainability once you get through the initial hurdles. What are some specific things that people can do if they want to be that entrepreneur or that that successful entrepreneur? Because we know many companies for businesses that people start do fail within a year or so. so. What are some things that can kind of get them over that year hurdle? Well, I mean, you got to seek out more like-minded people and folks that are that have went down this path before you and seek out advice. There's a number of technical assistance providers. The African-American Chamber of Commerce of New Jersey is a great resource. We can provide some guidance and support. But there's a number of entities across the state, and I'm sure at Rutgers, they have a small business development center. And there's small business development centers throughout the country and throughout New Jersey. We can go for free to get some advice get some information, get connected with some resources and help you flush out. It all starts with the business plan. You got to have a plan. You got to have a roadmap, which will outline your vision, your mission, how you plan to execute it, how you plan to garner the support to sustain it. In those very simple terms, uh, how you're going to market it, how you're going to command and direct people to patronize you, all those things go into developing a successful business. And there's plenty of resources out there where folks could leverage to to stand up a successful business. Great. So what future projects do you have in the works and what are some things we should be on the lookout for? Well, advocacy piece, we're going to kick it up to a whole nother level. Trust and believe. We have a national call we're doing this week, as a matter of fact, on on this April 16th at I don't know how time sensitive this conversation is at five o'clock national conversation to really talk about, you know, the state of black business across America, where we are and some specific steps that we must take to change the trajectory and coalescing a partnership with government at all levels. Um, So that's going to take place. We're going to intensify our events, get them a little more focused on the business at hand. We're going to encourage businesses to do a self-assessment of who they are and where they are in the marketplace and are they really relevant. And there may be some repositioning or repurposing businesses post this pandemic because there's a lot of other opportunities there. 
we're encouraging folks to start to look at the, the PPE market and start to manufacture some products um, that might be in line with this new normal. We're going to be a lot more health conscious and disease conscious going forward. So we got to think about how we play in that space. We're going to work towards making sure policy. New Jersey's just commissioned a disparity study. Yeah, you can put goals in place, but if you don't have accountability and compliance measures, you just put another policy in place. Mm-hmm. We're going to be pushing the state to enforce stuff that's already on the books, both local, state, and federal policy measures like Title VI and HUD Section 3 and the corporations that have goals. You know, if, if you have not had real spin with Blacks in the last few years, when is that going to change? How can we help you do better at that? This is not a confrontational discussion. Mm-hmm. I'm partner with you in real terms to make the state better. And the people I, I've called out, I'm not trying to be harmful in the calling them out, but just saying to them that your credibility is on the line. Right. And ways that we could come together to fix this, to benefit your organization and benefit the state. But to be out here perpetrating is not helping anybody, especially if you're a public corporation. Right. Really not good because you you got stockholders out there and shareholders who got money at risk. And to be, they get some detrimental comments about your organization can be real harm. But these, these are facts. These are not just disparaging remarks to try to bring harm. These are things that are curable if you just step up and acknowledge them and do the right thing. So thank you, John, so much for the work that you do in advocating for more equitable opportunities for minorities in business and for informing us about minority business development. So I wish you continued success with the African-American Chamber of Commerce of New Jersey. Well, we thank you for the opportunity and uh, We encourage you all to go to aaccnj.com for additional information. And also, we have a a new TV show, Pathways to Success, that airs on NJ TV the first Saturday of the month at 9 a.m. Tune in. Channel 23 in most areas of New Jersey, but check your local listings to find out exactly where you can find NJTV. And uh, Dr. Holmes, thank you for the opportunity. And uh, the African-American Chamber of Commerce of New Jersey is truly in existence to help improve the overall competitiveness of the state of New Jersey. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Diversity Matters. If you enjoyed our show and want to hear more, please subscribe to our show, post, talk about, and reshare our show with all of your friends and family and leave us a favorable rating and review so that it will make it easier for others to find us wherever they listen to podcasts. We cannot do this important work or keep it going without you. So we really appreciate your support. We especially like to thank our episode sponsor, the African-American Chamber of Commerce of New Jersey. Please consider becoming a member, support their events and programs, tune into their new show, Pathways to Success on NJTV and their radio show, The Empowerment Hour, on 920thejersey.com. For more information, please visit their website at www.aaccnj.com. If you or your company would like to sponsor a Diversity Matters episode, please visit the podcast section of our website at www. 
whconsultingfirm.com for more information. Diversity Matters is produced by WH Consulting, a firm that provides a wide range of management consulting and professional services to individuals and organizations. Original music produced by Sincere Morton Murray. Until next time, peace and love.